Welcome to the Bomb Shelter, your weekly journey through the miraculous world of film. So then, yeah, the two women grab him by each one, which one of his hands. So one is on the left side, the other one is on the right side. Yeah. And he says, pull, pull. Of and course. then he divides into two. Yeah. And then it's, it's just kind of there now. And the fan base is very, very divided about it. Yeah, I mean, we both know that the Orange Kumquat has been very divisive in the Mike Potions-related fandom. Uh, because I yeah, mean, a lot of people don't realize that he didn't direct that. A movie. lot of people don't realize that Mike Potions didn't direct the Orange Kumquat. It was he's, actually... He's an executive producer. His production company was behind it. But it, like, it, it was with, with that one... What was it called? It, it, it's a film that Janelle Monet is in. Yeah, and I think it's a Blumhouse film as well, and it sort of marketed itself as in the same vein as Get Out because Jordan Peele was a producer on it. Yeah, but he didn't have anything to do with the script or directing, and that's kind of what happened with the Orange Kumquat. And that's Potions. exactly what happened with the Orange Kumquat. You know what didn't happen? <laughs> I I totally fucked up. Do you know uh, where that sort of instance didn't happen uh, with our own show? which we're starting to record right now. So no one mistakenly thought that this was like Joe Rogan's bomb shelter? Yeah. Is that, is that what you're saying? Happily, hap uh, fortunately, no. <laughs> I'm, very ha I'm very happy and I feel very fortunate in the fact that no, that has not happened. Uh, ladies and gentlemen and non-binary friends. This is episode 18 of <laughs> The Bomb Shelter. Uh, we apologize for the intro. We were talking about the Orange Kumquat, a cult classic from the late 1970s um, that we both enjoy quite a bit. But we, we both enjoyed off, off screen in between the last two episodes. Well, in between last episode and this episode. Yes. Off a microphone, I should rather say, because this is not a visual medium. This is episode 18 of The Bomb Shelter. Please, uh, before we get started, subscribe to the show. Please on do. Your podcast platform. Of your favorite preference. podcast platform. Tell a friend about it if you enjoyed last mm -hmm. show. Especially if they're a Mike Potions fan. I mean, we, we remember. So if you felt just as rewarded by us remembering that co-director, then I think it's only fair to tell a friend about the show. Only fair. Uh, so today, as we specified last episode, uh, we are doing a Christmas special, not a holiday special. We're taking back the holiday season for uh, us do you Westerners. Wanna, do you want to go with that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're calling it Christmas again. That's what I'm saying. No, it's, it's a Christmas special because... It, There's a lot of you're, Christmas you're, movies. You're, you're listening to it on December 25th, right? Which is Christmas, warmly. Yeah. You're, instead of spending it with your family, you're spending Christmas with us, which we enormously appreciate. Uh, we like feeling like we're a part of your family. Uh that being said, there's a, there's a lot more famous Christmas movies or entire industry centered around Christmas movies than there are most other holidays. Sure. I think. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of Jesus-related movies about, like, Easter, well, Easter, technically, right? But they're, they're not what, about what, Easter. What are you thinking of, like, Peter Rabbit? No, I mean, yeah, it's exactly. But I'm, what I'm thinking about is, like, movies that are directly related to, like, the cause of Easter, which is jesus christ's death and resurrection 
but they're not specifically about the holiday Easter or like evoke Easter vibes. Because like, what even are they? What are Easter vibes? I guess it's... Uh, we're, we can table that discussion for later because... Like, <laughs> it's green grass. It's green grass, eggs. But chocolate eggs. Yeah, chocolate eggs. I don't. I don't want to paint eggs. I don't. I can't remember the last. I mean, it was grade school when I painted eggs to hide them around and then find them. You, you painted your own eggs and then found them again. No, yeah. Oh. We we would paint our own eggs, fill them with candy. Our teachers would hide them, oh, okay. and we would look for them around. So the you wouldn't campus. hide them yourself. No, we wouldn't hide them ourselves. That's a little weird because <laughs> then every kid would go for their own eggs. For sure. Like, yeah. The, 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 the Easter egg hunt would be over and like. 10 seconds basically. and also completely anticlimactic yeah and devoid of purpose one would say there you go okay <laughs> we should probably talk so so this, so this is the christmas special <laughs> we're doing the christmas because special. because you're listening to it on christmas next year we might that do is, a hanukkah special that is the only reason why it's called christmas <laughs> that that elaborate explanation that pat gave you can completely disregard it <laughs> it's just because this uh, because the day this comes out is december 25th yes Pretty much, yeah, that's the only reason. So, I, I wanted to give it like a reason for existing other than programming, you know what I mean? Sure. We're also talking Christmas movies, so I could be forgiven for saying <laughs> all of my big old speech. So today we have a, a, a triple feature for you. What? This is the first time we're doing a triple feature. Because, <laughs> well, it's, it's going to become quite apparent why. Yeah. But we have three Christmas films for you. We have Christmas, the Hallmark film Christmas in Graceland. The we other have, Hallmark film. We have another Hallmark Mark film called Twisted Christmas. And then we have the Netflix original A Christmas Prince. <laughs> yeah. So these are all films you can enjoy in the comfort of your own home this holiday season. Yes. The first two are on Prime, I believe. If you're in Mexico, they're on Prime. If they're not, check your Letterboxd. Because uh, that's one of the best things Letterboxd has. Justwatch.com as well. That is pretty useful. Justwatch.com. For us. Please sponsor us. Streaming availability. Or don't. But I would like it if you did. <laughs> It'd be nice if you did. Um, so yeah. Do you want to be a sellout, Pat? This is the thing. This was your idea, Max. This was entirely your idea. The, the Christmas special. Yes. yes. The Christmas special and the idea of doing three Hallmark or Hallmark adjacent movies. Because Christmas Prince, pretty Hallmark adjacent, I would say. Sure. Um, I would agree with that assumption now having seen it. That being said, uh, before we get into our feature presentation, I do believe uh, we're doing a segment beforehand. It's not our normal segment. So normally we would talk about what we've watched lately. Normally. But since... So we're recording this in advance. We're recording this a week before it pops up on your feed. Yes. I thought it would be a nice spot to talk about uh, the films we like to watch during the holiday season. Yes, I would really like to talk about those Max. Max, I said Max twice in a row, Max. Max, could you please tell us your first film that you enjoy watching during holiday break? So admittedly, this first thing that I'm going to talk about is light cop-out, but I'm just really excited about the fact that it's back this year, and that is the history of the Doctor Who Christmas special. Oh, that's cool. I'm a, I'm a, turns out I'm a Whovian, everybody. Who would have... I'm learning this at the same time. No, I'm just kidding. I saw your letterbox to logins like two weeks ago, and there's been a lot of Doctor Who stuff because they're transitioning between Doctors right now. Well, between, they've, uh, yeah, so, so the new Doctor has, got, has arrived. 
the new yes. Doctor is Judy Gatwa, uh, who, who who had a great first impression on the last on the 60th anniversary special. Yes, the giggle, um, which is a great like campy sci-fi one hour one minute little movie on its own. Yeah, but with the return of uh, Russell T Davis to the show, who is a a prolific excellent television writer he has done some amazing uh, work on television with uh, i mean even dating back to the 90s like russell t davis had some fantastic fantastic shows he has he has one I, the name escapes me now it's really embarrassing he had a show starring christopher eccleston where he finds out that he's jesus he's oh. a, just a, a, a guy from newcastle <laughs> Finds out that he's Jesus, like realizes wow. that he's Jesus. That's crazy, right? Man. So he'd also made a made an adaptation of Casanova, where he's a younger man, and uh, coincidentally, those are the two shows where he also connected with the two actors that would play the two doctors that he wrote for. So Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant, who is yeah. the the face of the modern era of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first Christmas special. I would like to say the Christmas invasion. Oh my, I'm, I'm telling on myself so badly right now. I think it's the Christmas invasion. Hoobians, please flame Max uh, where, <laughs> on any streaming platform that you can. Uh, I think we're going to activate the yeah, on questions Wattpad. and answers function so you can... Please, please uh, come at me on Wattpad. I yeah, I, I, I <laughs> come at him on Wattpad. I yeah. deserve it. I, I fully deserve it. So uh, the, there's the Christmas invasion and there's the Voyage of the Damned which is the Titanic except in space. The doctor runs around with, uh, with a waitress that looks like Kylie Minogue. And then, hold on. Well, for, yeah, okay. So the Christmas invasion was correct. So they, I'm, I'm showing Pat a, a, yeah. po- a, a poster right now. This is the Christmas invasion. Yeah, okay. The doctor just regenerated uh, into David Tennant. David Tennant and Amy Pond. That's Amy Pond? No, that's not. See, no, you're, you're telling on yourself that's, right now. That's, that's, that's know, Rose. Look, that's Rose Tyler. That's Rose Tyler. I that's know Rose very, Tyler. I know very little about Doctor Who. I know people who have played Doctor Who or the doctor. I apologize. The doctor. Because it's not Doctor Who. It's the doctor. It's yes. a title. Okay? There you go. And it's, uh, the, it's the name that this time lord decided to give yeah. themselves and then there's a paradox where people took that name or that word from his name it's it's filled with paradoxes well yeah, it's St- stephen moffat basically he he came up with two things that uh humans look like time lords rather than time lords look, look like humans okay and that the word doctor comes from the doctor the, the doctor the titular the, the, doctor. The, the, the titular time lord alien doctor yeah, exactly. Those are two things that Stephen Moffat say, uh, canonized. The idea that there's a race called the Time Lords is a pretty campy thing. And, that, and it should tell you everything you need to know about Doctor Who, because it's campy and fun. Well, exactly. I've, so, I've so, seen very little Doctor so there's Who. The Christmas Invasion, where uh, Christopher Eccleston's Doctor just regenerated into David Tennant, and he's out of commission for like half the episode. There's an invasion happening. As, as they on Christmas, happen, as tends to happen, and Rose Tyler and her family have to sort of handle the crisis before the doctor comes in and saves the day and sort of introduces himself to the world. Yeah, right. And then there's Voyage of the Damned, which is much more on the campier side. It's the Titanic in space, the one time companion is Kylie Minogue, 
um, the owner of the corporation that runs this Titanic uh, spaceship kind of goes insane and tries to kill everyone on board. And then the, well, there are statues aboard the Titanic that you can sort of walk up to. They're much like AI, actually. You can walk up to them, ask them for information. Yeah. They so start, Chad GBT they start, on the Space Titanic. <laughs> sure. They start acting <laughs> out of character. And by the end, they have, they have these big angel wings. And then David Tennant, as the doctor, spreads his hand. Two angels walk up and they raise him. It's a very messianic uh, <laughs> image. It's it's incredible. It's, incre- it's incredibly campy, yeah. really fun. And the reason, <laughs> so the only reason that this is set during Christmas is because people aboard this Titanic get to go, get to be teleported to Earth every hour or so. Mm-hmm. They get to walk around in shops on Earth. Okay, and it's also where we, I think, meet Wilf. So planet Earth is like, um, like a little Alaskan port. In the pathway of like a cruise ship? <laughs> well, no, because the cruise ship is just straight up in space. I mean, yeah, that's but I, that's what I mean. I mean, the cruise ship is just like the this. Like, this like, is not if, important. Yeah, Please if you were to take like an American cruise, like I don't know, leaving. It, I guess you, you'd stop at like Orlando to go to the Orlando outlets to buy some stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like, the, yeah. If, if a Caribbean cruise were to do that. I went on a cruise. We stopped in one place in Alaska just to get crab. And then we got back on the boat. Crab we, or? King crab. As, got, as, as, in, as in seafood. Yeah. Like uh, we got a little king crab uh, legs with oh. some biscuits and butter. It was great. It was really okay. nice. Interesting. And then we went to the next port and then the next port. That, that, like, that's what I mean. Okay. Got you. Got like you're you. mostly on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. But. Planet Earth is the only port, basically. And oh. since, since you just get teleported, it doesn't matter how far or close you are to Earth. I'm, I'm sorry, aliens. <laughs> Imagine yeah, being is, an alien. Again, this is, this, is sci- this is sci-fi. You have to keep up. Yeah. Right? It's like visiting. It's incredibly like, smart. It would be like visiting, I don't know, like the places we have, routinely drive around. Imagine like aliens being like, whoa. <laughs> it's very odd. Well, in the vastness of space, I, I, honestly, I have to imagine there's more interesting planets than ours. Aliens, yeah, would, I think they'd be quite unimpressed by planet Earth. I uh, and, agree. and if I if I remember correctly, on Voyage of the Damned, all the people that end up going to Earth are human. None of them are alien. <laughs> all the aliens just stay on the ship. It's like, why would we go down there? That I would imagine. If I was an alien, I would probably do the same. I'd be like, oh, that's uh, that looks terrible. They're poisoning their own planet. They're, they're such idiots. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think. It's a funny named character who, yeah, it's a very, very funny named character. There's billionaires that buy companies and then ruin them because they're not on purpose because they're dumb. <laughs> like, what? Well, that's not what I meant at all. But what, so what I was going for, that there's this one alien. No, I meant that, that would be comments that aliens Earth. would make about not wanting to go to Earth. Oh, I, well, this. It'd be like the richest man in the world is really dumb. How how is that possible? Yeah, but this was the two thousands. This was the two thousands. Like when that, we when that, we had the we, we had the virtue or the the commodity that was optimism back then. Sure. But this yeah. was, was two thousand and seven to be exact. And there was an alien character that went to Earth. Yeah. Played by uh, actor Jimmy V, Scottish actor. Oh yeah, I and know Jimmy his, V. And his the character's name was. Banaka Falata. 
<laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, and, and he he asked for Kali Minogue's hand in marriage during... It's a very funny scene. Did she say yes? She... I don't think she does, because she, uh-huh. she, 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 she makes out with a doctor later, so... Oh, well, I mean, yeah. The doctor gets around. David Tennant's doctor gets D- around. David Tennant's doctor gets around. There's a re- well, Matt Smith's doctor also got around. He's very childish, though, right? From Matt what Smith? I understand, he's the Matt Smith's doctor is very like, woo! He's very, he's very happy-go-lucky. It's it's yeah, I, I guess very whimsical. It's it's a weird hybrid between it's a dichotomy that was mentioned a lot when yeah. when he was being introduced as the doctor as of both a college professor and a and a student. He's, yeah, he's both at the same time. Oh, okay. And then I, I, I should say, well, Matt Smith is both at Matt Smith's incarnation, but I have yeah, I have to so drill it into my head that I should refer to the doctor as they they pronoun it's they yeah they them they've been female at this point right That's so true. like yeah yeah i i wonder how different that performance is because again i have watched very little doctor who i've watched maybe three ecclestone episodes when okay. they put it on netflix forever sure. ago yeah um and then i stopped watching it because i was like oh clearly i'm missing stuff but like i didn't know that th- this was the latest <laughs> or that that was like a chapter in a long running beloved sci-fi tv show yeah, but, well yeah that that was it was like a, a soft reboot mm-hmm. of the show but like there's a lot of like people 15 years later after the last official thing came out but anyway but anyway the, the same day that this comes out the new doctor who christmas special is gonna be out as well so like, as soon as christmas as soon as you finished watching this you should perhaps go on disney plus and watch the church on ruby road which is the first 15th doctor story Judy Gatwa, and their companion. Whoever that is going to... Oh, no, no, they've already casted, yeah, right? Yeah, they've, they've cast and announced who the companion is. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's be the first story. There's also a song out right now, which is about a, 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 a race of goblins that like to eat babies. It's a really funny song. It's called... Uh, I was going to make a joke about... Uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't think of a musical artist that was problematic fast enough. Trisha Paytas. I don't know. <laughs> she released a song in Spanish this year. Uh, me and a friend of mine we listened to it. And it was it's actually it actually slaps a little bit. <laughs> it, it, it's infuriating that it's in any way rhythmically pleasing. Pat, what movie do you like to watch <laughs> around Christmas? So this is gonna be a cop out, but I do like. Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Uh, I like Die Hard a lot. I'm a big, big Die Hard fan. Max is shaking his head. We talked about this beforehand. I'm playing it up for the show. Yeah, we talked about this beforehand. People and can was, see my performance, was, and it's uh, very convincing. He was frustrated by the fact that I was going to say it's stuff It's called like, the Goblin Song, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing you this. It's I'm showing Pat the single cover right now. By Murray Gold. Okay. Well, yeah, Murray Gold is the composer. Oh, he's a composer. He's okay. the composer, yeah. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, Die Hard. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it is. I'm. I'm not gonna get into discussion. I'm not gonna get into reasons why. It's a Christmas movie because it feels Christmassy. Christmas. I mean, Christmas movies. Is it? Is it not set during Christmas? It's set during Christmas, but it's just, also. So just say that. Yeah, but there's a lot of movies that are set during Christmas and don't feel Christmassy, like uh, Iron, Man, Iron Man Three. I don't. I don't think Iron Man Three is a Christmas movie. It doesn't feel Christmassy. Sure. And Die Hard, for some reason, does feel Christmassy. So, at least to me. So, I like watching that. In what way? Please explain, elaborate. Um, I don't know. There's a... You don't know? There is. There, there is. 
there's a Christmassy feeling to it in the sense that like it it reminds me it has a very VHS feeling to me. Okay. And VHS things are to me like uh when I was growing up I always saw them at like grandparents' houses and the only times that I would be at grandparents' houses is during at Christmas, Christmas. So or during the holidays or stuff like that. So I relate from like infancy and like childhood the idea of like uh, watching VHSs at my grandparents' house. I would, I had VHSs at my house, right? Yeah. But like my grandparents had a lot of movies that were only in VHSs. Later they had them on DVD, but like the first time I watched like Fan- the Fantasia movies was on VHS. And they had a bunch of like Disney movies on the VHSs where the case was squishy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Remember? No. The, there were VHSs where the cover <laughs> of the VHS was like a squishy or something. It was like a like a cushioned for for some reason i don't know why and like the smell of vhs's is like immediately recognizable to me so like i and i associate die hard with that sort of feeling it has that sort of vintage because it is an 80s movie and there's very particular 80s movies that have a vhs feeling to me die hard is one of them the original top gun is one of them where it's like, uh, yeah, they these movies feel at home whether you're watching them on streaming or you're watching them on a VHS sort of thing, and they f- they feel like they have a VHS factor, and uh, yeah, Die Hard feels Christmassy in that sort of way. It's like, well, it it has that idea of like stuff you watch on. For me, I connected to the VHSness of it and stuff like that. It has a sense of humor about it. I mean, it's a funny movie. It's a movie that's like a. Uh, there's a lot of sweaters in it. There, I mean, it is Christmas, but it's Christmas in L.A. So there's 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 not to be a so, lot of so sweaters. so a lot of sweaty people wearing sweaters. There's a lot of sweaty people wearing sweaters, but okay. there's sweaters. There's a lot of chunky sweaters, which is the difference. If a sweater isn't chunky, it doesn't feel as Christmassy to me. And there's a lot of very chunky, pattern knit sweaters in that movie. I don't know. So Apart you, from so the you, fact that it's set during say, Christmas, okay. there's a Christmassy feeling to it. So I watch it on Christmas, and it's fun. And it's great. <laughs> you're you're so frustrated that I chose this as a Christmas movie. You you told me Die Hard is a cop out, and then you went with literal Christmas specials for Doctor Who, and you so, said so, I'm doing a cop out. <laughs> no, I'm 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 doing a cop out in the sense that these aren't movies; they're an hour long. It's different. They're TV movies. They're TV movies. It's the, Saturday they, night TV movies. They qualify. <laughs> What's your next one? Well, my next one, it's, it's a tradition that's going to start from this year onward, just because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. And my relationship to horror films has changed uh, significantly this year, thanks to uh, some lovely people that I met at my new school. Yeah. But uh, Black, Black Christmas, I would okay. say. It's a Christmas slasher. It's pretty straightforward. It is not a black exploitation film. No. No, it's a No, it's, it's a most it's mostly white women. It's mostly white. That's how horror movies tend to be though. There's a lot of final girls are white. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do you want to get into like the history as as a why no. why that is? No. <laughs> I really don't. So my second recommendation for this holiday season is for the horror oriented people of you if you would like to terrify your grandma. Make her watch Black Christmas with you. Pat, what's your next recommendation? Oh, the Rankin-Bass Rudolph movie. <laughs> it's a creepy, weird-ass movie. It's an old-ass movie. And it's a type of claymation animation that is, um, that is naturally creepy. You know what I mean? I, have, you, have you ever seen that uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Radio Rankin-Bass thing? 
No, which is why I'm looking really confused at the moment. It's famous. Like uh, Rankin Bass made a lot of like uh, holiday specials uh, made out of claymation. And it's the claymation from the 60s and 70s that is innately creepy. I see. It, it's not art men. It's not like claymation that is done in like professional studios that treat it like stop motion or like a, like with very elaborate productions. The Rankin Bass specials are elaborate productions, but there's a stiffness to them that makes them really creepy. And Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, their special is no, no exception. So uh, you know Rudolph, right? I've heard of him. So he's a little reindeer, and he wants to be uh, on Santa's sleigh. However, he has this deformity, <laughs> this, this genetic little thing in which his nose glows very red. I'm sure you heard about this. I'm telling the audience. Um... Or in the case that it's the inverse, I know you've heard of Rudolf the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm just explaining what Rudolf is to Max. Maybe his German customs are different from our own. Um, so, uh, however, uh, if you know the legend, all of the reindeer bully Rudolf. And like, oh, you're a red-nose, it's so fucking stupid and it glows. And then there's a snowstorm and Santa's like, well, I can't fly my sleigh without like knowing where I'm going. And uh, Rudolph's nose shines so bright, I almost did the rhyme, but I don't know if it's copywritten. <laughs> this is the issue. I don't know if it's copywritten. So uh, Santa's like, well, maybe you can fly at the head of my sleigh and you can guide us with your glowing nose. Uh, however, you know, I mean, that's the rhyme in a nutshell. However, the movie, the Christmas special done by Rankin and Bass, includes so many things. It includes a confrontation with a Yeti. Um, it includes uh, Rudolph in school and his uh, reindeer coach, his name is Coach, um, is like, well, Rudolph, you can't be on Santa's sleigh with that nose. Like, they do a lot of plot stuff. So it's, it's, it's like an allegory for, like, people well, that are yeah. different in society. Like in, yes. So this sounds like racism and ableism are addressed yeah, in this bit. special. He, is, he befriends an elf that wants to be a dentist. Um, he befriends a mountaineer called Yukon Cornelius, who's insane. He uh, goes to the island of Misfit Toys and he meets uh, their king, which is a lion with wings. Um, I don't know which, who, what kid in the '60s wouldn't want that toy. Um, yeah, it's it's a really old. I mean, it's old for people who were born in the last twenty years, right? But it's one of those like classic, creepy animated movies for. It's, it's a good toughen you up kids movie in the sense that it's like a little creepy, but it's also very iconic and very colorful and, and very, it's very, it's a very memorable film to me. And it's something I remember watching a lot when I was a kid. I remember the Yeti being creepy for a kid. Uh, and yeah, claymation and stop motion from the sixties and seventies in general just tends to be creepy. Because it's like has a weird stiffness to it, and it hasn't quite evolved to the standard that we know today. Yes, so it has quite back evolved. in the '60s, it probably seemed like magic. It probably seemed like magic. That's exactly. It's. I mean, it. It kind of feels like uh, the Wampa in uh, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. It just like the weird stiffness and like the tauntauns. Like it moves like like hey like a uh, Harryhausen. Yeah. Things from uh, from Clash of the Titans, the original Clash of the Titans. Uh, not the good one with Sam Worthington, <laughs> mind you. I mean the original <laughs> one by Harry Ar Harry uh, Harryhausen. Was, wasn't wasn't that like didn't have didn't that one have like a formatting issue that 
the 3D in theaters just looked off. Yeah, yeah, there was, it was, was when people were was, like, "Was that a thing?" Yeah, people okay. were still trying to be like, "We're gonna make everything 3D in this movie." It's like, you know what? We're gonna ride a bandwagon for no reason. Um, but yeah, I mean that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie. Uh, if you're in any way familiar with it, you know what it is. You've probably seen images of it or clips of it somewhere. Um, and it doesn't, and for people that are older than me, it's like, oh yeah, of course, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special, how are you not going to recommend that? It's because I'm 24 years old, and a lot of people my age have no idea what it is, and I just wanted to recommend it to people so they could see it. So my final recommendation <laughs> is a 3D animated Disney film. Okay. Now, now, now that I'm looking at stills from it, it, yeah, it, it doesn't look as good as I remember it. I, I bet I'd still enjoy it if I pop it on on Disney+. Plus. It's called Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and it's, and it's a little anthology film. Yes. I think three different stories? Yeah. There you go. It's fun. It's very, very, very much fun. It's, There's a lot of older, like, direct-to-video yeah. sort of Disney movies that are, like, surprisingly entertaining, like uh, that Mickey Mouse Three Musketeers thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a fun movie. So if something <laughs> something for the kids here as well, the family friendly podcast. Family friendly podcast. This bomb shelter, Pat. What's your final recommendation? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm in between two movies. I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas, certified classic. Feels more like a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie, but also Halloween movies can just be horror movies. <laughs> like a horror movie can just you can just pop one on on Halloween, and that's a Halloween movie. Um, yeah, that's a lot broader. It's a lot broader, yeah. But uh, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas feels like a quintessential Christmas film to me. Um, it also has that like feeling of like, well, I was a little kid and I watched it. You know what I did? I think that's the first movie that I remember um, not only having on DVD, but like actively going and seeing the extra features to see how they built like all the faces and all the sets. And there's a lot of fun behind the scenes content in that DVD that I owned. And it has... It has a v that VHS feeling to me. It also has that VHS feeling. There's like that haze over it that a lot of uh, uh, animated in stuff in general doesn't have anymore. There's a lot of anime from the 80s and 90s that has like a haze over it, like a, like Berserk or Sailor Moon or just, just animated things from the 80s and 90s have like a haze over it. And this movie was no exception. I bet that it was shot through a lot of dry ice because it looks... Man, it looks so good. I, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, the ingenuity of filmmakers back then. My yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they have to... Pointing a camera at dry eyes. Who thought of that? I'm, you, you know, I mean, people wouldn't do that for real. They would just put a filter on top of it. You know what I mean? Like a, like a little bit of glow. And back then, back then you had to shoot through stuff. Well, well, yeah, putting a filter on the camera just feels a lot more practical now. Yeah, it feels a lot more practical. Or putting uh, it just a filter in post. Or just filming everything and just in post putting like a bit of haze over it. Putting like a layer of like a screen and, and the screen blending mode. And then amping up the Gaussian blur thing to 100. Fair. Maybe not to 100. Maybe not to 100. Maybe to like 50. <laughs> even then. Even then. Even then. Gaussian blur is a very strong effect, Pat. Yeah, it's very powerful actually. Um... So I think we should go to our feature presentation. <laughs> our, our triple feature presentation. <laughs> our triple feature presentation. If, you're, if, if, you're, oh my if, God. if you'll indulge me. My God. So I want to start with some broad thoughts on Hallmark 
in general before we go into the specifics of our movies sure so isn't isn't so let me ask you a question first i'm not that familiar with the hallmark brand yeah don't they have like a christmas movie marathon like yearly christmas movie marathon and all of the movies are new I think That's, so. Is, is that is that not the the gimmick of it? I think so. Yeah, but also like Hallmark has thousands upon thousands of pieces of content that they pump out every year. But precisely because there's a lot of witch they, content. They do these marathons. Witch there's, witch content. There's a lot of witch stuff. I've, I the only time I've caught stuff like on TV that was a Hallmark thing was a thing called the Good Witch. And yes, it's it's there's a lot of witches. But it's like good witches. It's nice witches. It's not um, it's not Wiccan. It's like uh, just nice ladies waving around a wand, and like uh, I don't know, the local church is all nice again. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's ah uh, yes, of that. the local church. Because Hallmark is very it's uh, Christian coded. Oh yeah, it's, even it's uh, no, it's not. It's not. It's not subtext. It's, it's text. not subtext. It's pretty much text. It's text. It's part of how. To me, Hallmark is a very bland, very neutered. I mean, neutered is a strong word, but it it is what it is, kind of. Like, it's just very bland, very safe. Not even like, I mean, it's family friendly, of course, yeah, but it's also boring. It's not that these three movies are aggressively bad to me. They're just just dull. These are, so let's say you're a mom. Let's say you're a mom. Can you put yourself in that mindset, Pat, being a mom? (laughs) No one can. No one can. Trick question. No one who isn't <laughs> go, a mom can. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no one who is no one who isn't a mom can. That is, that is a good point. You know what the hardest I, job in the world I is? I bit the bait. I, I I you put out bait and I took the bait like a dumbass. You know what the hardest job in the world is? Um, the people from Deadliest Catch. Exactly. <laughs> the crab crab fishermen from Deadliest Catch, or so, or like anyone that has to deal with Mike Potions on the set of Orange Kumquat. Man, they went so far over budget that was, yeah. Like that could have taken on like Apocalypse Now levels. I mean, who's the director again? Disaster. What is the name of the director? Oh, it was Dave Potions. Oh, his son. No, his cousin. His son is David. His cousin goes by Dave. And I think he's abandoned the Potions name, right? He wanted to make. Well, when he when he got when he got married, he changed his name. Oh, he took his wife's name. Yes. Who did he marry? Well. Who did David Potions marry, Max? Dave Potions. <laughs> no, da- Dave, da- no, David is his son. David, David is his son. David is his son. David, David is, the is, is the cousin. Who did David marry, man? Because he also took the uh, to walk the footsteps of his father, and he started making movies. But he wanted to make a name for himself. So he, he was, he was more. He was more of a nepo baby. Like he directed like two, like low budget things, and yeah. then he he got he sort of got to use his dad's notoriety. To do a big studio film. Yeah. Which was the Orange Kumquat. Which was the Orange Kumquat. Um, yeah. To me, I mean, I think the, the most notable thing about the Orange Kumquat, and I'm sorry if we're dangerously veering off topic now. Um, to me, my favorite thing is uh, Solemn Phillips' performance as the main character, uh, Orange. It's a very, it's a very uh, high concept, surrealist masterpiece, I think. Well, yeah, it's, it veers very, very closely. It's it's magical realism adjacent. Yeah, but but for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? It's kind of Buñuel like. But f- again, for the wrong reasons. For the wrong reasons, exactly. Yeah. So 
I've I've pulled up. <laughs> You've pulled up David Potions as uh, IMDb. No, I I no I I I found out the name of the the wife. Okay. So so the wife, so the wife's name is Susan Chow. Uh huh. So that he went by David Chow after they got married. Susan, the white guy went by David Chow. Again, they're a controversial family. <laughs> That's a very con. I do agree. The entire Potions family is mired in controversy. Um, yeah. Uh, so back to the movies. So we're doing. I, I think we should talk about Christmas in Graceland first, right? Sure. So a little bit about this movie. Uh, the re- the way we chose the movies we're going to talk about. Because I said we're going to do Christmas Prince. Because I, I really wanted an excuse to watch Christmas Prince as, and as talk soon, about it. As soon as I posited the concept, Pat wanted to watch the Christmas Prince again. No, I've never watched the Christmas Prince. Oh, you've Prince. never seen it. I, I wanted an excuse to watch it because I had heard... Because the title Christmas Prince is funny enough. And I had heard like in, from a lot of places. And by a lot of places, I mean... Your uh, friend Mal? No, I mean uh, Smosh Games videos where they oh. play Netflix and chill Christmas edition. Yeah, I like that game. Is that, is, is that a game, Netflix yeah, and Yeah, it's chill? a game. So the idea of the game is that you're sitting uh, and you, they Chilling? give you... Uh, no, they give you... You're sitting and they give you a description of a movie and Netflix sometimes has very vague movie descriptions. So if you guess the movie, you pass the round. But if you don't guess the movie, you get a, a ladle of ice down your pants. That's the chilling part. So the, there's been a couple of holiday episodes where they did uh, a bunch of all of the holiday movies on Netflix. They did one for HBO Max and stuff like that. But like the Christmas Prince popped up a couple of times. And I was like, well, Christmas Prince is such a weird, specific, but also vague enough title. But I don't want to like just like go on Netflix and pop on the Christmas Prince. You know what I mean? So I've been waiting for uh, an excuse, kind of like Diana the Musical. It's it's also, it's it's still going to look suspicious in your like, viewing history. Yeah, of it's gonna, course. It's going to pop out like a sore thumb. It's going to pop out like a sore thumb, but also I'm not watching Netflix as much anymore, so it's like, whatever. Um, there goes a Netflix sponsorship. I mean, if ne- I mean, look, they just put out the final episodes of The Crown, which I have not watched, and I am dying oh, to yeah. see those. You're one of those royalists. I'm gonna no, I'm not a royalist. Um, unless it's Aldovia. Unless we're talking Aldovia. <laughs> so uh, when when we did the whole thing about like uh, talking about which movies we were gonna do, we popped on Letterbox. We went. Uh, we looked up Hallmark Media as a studio, and then we went lowest rating to highest rating. And, and surprisingly, uh, the highest rated one is still not that highly rated. Yeah, they're not very well rated because, again, they're not good. Um, and uh, we didn't even do the one that was lowest rated, which is a movie called Christmas at the Plaza. But I was a- just looking through stuff. There was one called Christmas at Dollywood, and I was like, we have to watch this. And it's not available Not available in watch. our country. Yeah. So um, one popped out. One title popped out, and it was Christmas at Graceland. And I was like, what? And then I checked because I was like, it can't be the Elvis house. And then I checked, and it was like uh, a former... What, uh, what else would it be? Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, it can't be that specific. Because they're a hallmark. They're so vague, and they're so generic. And they were like, Christmas at Graceland. And then I was like, well, what is this? And then it turned out that the description was like, well, it's about this former singer uh, who goes back to Memphis. And I was like, it is about the Elvis house. And I told Max, we have to see well, this. Well, it's, it's not about the, El- the Elvis house... It's like a location yeah, in the film. It's specific enough 
that I was like, well, we have to watch this now. If, if you're if you're a big Elvis head, the Hallmark company wants to trick you into watching. <laughs> yeah, this the Hallmark. Film. That's exactly what I think. Um, so this this film, Christmas in Graceland, easily my least favorite of the three we watched. Easily. So it stars. I was so disappointed. It stars country singer Kelly Pickler. Which good for Kelly Pickler, man. <laughs> and she's a respect a, awesome. She's she's some she's an employee at a Chicago Financial. <laughs> there you go. That's the name she's, of the company. She's an employee at a Chicago-based bank. She's sent back home to Memphis to spend the holidays there. Well, not to spend the holidays there to iron out a deal to take over a local Memphis bank. A, yeah, a three-location, family-owned Memphis bank. There you go. Really weird. Yeah, to I guess to expand the presence of Chicago Financial. <laughs> in, in Tennessee. Chicago Financial in Tennessee. There you go. So I, I think for our discussion of these films, we're just going to leave like filmmaking discussion. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just going to disregard the film. Oh, like, yeah. Like we, we're, we're, we're doing full plot. As a, as a blank statement, we can tell you these like the color correction on all these films, they look like Marvel Marvel films. Yeah, they which, look which, bad. Except except for Multiverse of Madness, which actually has like colors that pop out of the screen at you. Yeah, because it's a it's a cool movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it was made someone with an actual personality in in their sure in their post production work anyway. So yeah, and all of these have like an opening montage that's most likely stock footage. Yeah. Some of it might might have been shot on the second eighties phone. <laughs> Some of it, yeah. While the, while the yeah. while the first unit was shooting something else. But for the most part, the photography is like well, it's it, it's not like they're looking for incredible it's, it's plastic. Artistic shot. Yeah, it's plastic. It's but pl- it's, it's also like competently. It's workmanlike work. <laughs> it's, there you go. It's workmanlike uh, photography, workmanlike sound design, workmanlike music, all that stuff. It's and it's yet, fine. Christmas at Graceland starts with an impossible shot through the window of the Chicago financial skyscraper <laughs> where the protagonist played by Kelly Pickler her name is Laurel Cooper OU Cooper yeah that's a weird name and she is informed about her mission to go to Memphis to hash out this deal by her well yeah terrible person boss oh yeah her boss sucks that's be a little bit of a recurring theme throughout this. <laughs> these these three films as well. The, yeah, the, the bosses usually stuck. Yeah, and then terrible bosses all around. So she goes back home and informs her daughter about these plans. That's where we find out the father isn't really in the picture anymore. Yes, indeed. They go to Memphis. They meet up with their local friends there. I, I think the the friend is called Sally. If I- remember correctly? I, I, I remember very little. One of the best designers in all of Memphis. The, one of the best graphic designers, yes. And I want to make a point about this, because she is married to an electrician, and they have bought a home. <laughs> a rather big home. Well, if, if she's the best graphic designer in Memphis... I mean, yeah, I guess so. She's probably the breadwinner. She probably has the capital to... That is a good point. Like, dish out. Or, or it's an heirloom. Or it's an heirloom house, yes. You can you can either never way, discard that chance. Either way, like they, older uh, people might have a house that is an heirloom. That is a good point. Well, older pe- like adults, like forty yeah, year olds. That that's also a thing. In the other movies, there's also a threat of like uh, people with uh, with blue collar jobs owning 
multi-million dollar houses. Yeah, that, but that, that only seems like sci-fi to us. That only seems like that, sci-fi that's to like, us. That being sci-fi is a fairly yeah. novel Maybe not to thing. Southern evangelicals. <laughs> so in, in, case, in case you're a mom and you've been folding laundry and you've had the Hallmark Mark channel on all day long, the boss constantly checks in to remind Laurel of the thing that she has to do. Yes. Like the problem the, the, the amount of times that this boss called is frankly disturbing. Yeah. Like, there's, there's very, one... very middle management. Yeah. Un, unhealthy quality of life stuff in her workplace. The thing is, here's the thing, Max, that you've declined to. Uh, People are also constantly introducing themselves to each other. Oh, yeah. Which, like, uh, that, that, that's a real life thing. But, <laughs> it, I, I will, like, once or twice is enough in a, in, a, in a film. And this one has, like, five different instances. The thing is, because this is Christmas at Graceland, of course. Country music and blues figures into the plot of this movie. Do, and Laurel does, does it though. Laurel is a does former. It actually, is a former country singer. She was but in like a duo. child country singer. Yeah, exactly. In a duo with her old flame, uh, Clay, who is now a handsome, handsome man. A handsome concert promoter man. A handsome concert promoter man, and uh, they both reunite. And there's this conflict of will they, won't they? And by will they, won't they? I mean will they? Um. And the whole thing of, like, is she going to nail this present? The, the insane amount of tension that comes from whether or not they're going to end up together and whether or not she's going to nail this uh, bank sale that she has to do and whether or not she's going to be able to have a fun Christmas with her daughter, man. And, 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 by, <laughs> and by tension, you mean no, no tension at all. A, an, a, an absolute absence of tension. The, uh, there's a common thread in these movies. First, well, multiple. First of all, there's, the, ze- there's zero chemistry between the romantic leads. Zero chemistry between the romantic leads. That's one. Uh, two, uh, very much an avoidance of any form of sexual <laughs> attract or physical attraction. Yeah, exactly. Physical attract. Well, sexual attraction, whatever you want to call it. The, they, they, they don't act like they are like they're into mm-hmm. each other ever. Actors and performers that look like the average. That look like you've put a lot of pictures of actors into an AI and it spit out the average of all of how all well, these actors okay, that, That's not fair. It, that's it, not but fair. But it is, I, I bet, <laughs> I bet if you gave them Romeo and Juliet, they, they, they'd be able to do something with the, like, inherent, like, erotic <laughs> themes not, but of I that mean, play. Like the, I mean the appearance of the actors. I mean, the way they look, look, they look very average, like the average of other actors. That's what I'm trying to say. You didn't spit a movie into an AI. You put a bunch of actors' pictures into an AI, and it popped up uh, likable hunks <laughs> for, sure. the, for the blonde lady to make out with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All three protagonists of these films are, are yeah. blonde women. That's I true. I mean, I have notes on... Uh, let's just do random notes. Cause, I mean, first of all, I don't know enough about specific... So- I know a lot about a global southern accent. But I don't know enough about specific Southern accents to know if she's doing a terrible Tennessee one. I'm I'm not a linguist either, <laughs> especially not when it comes to specific accents. American accents. I know a little bit about Texan, but like Kentucky, I don't. Arkansas, I don't. Tennessee, I don't. So I was like, I w- I'm going to hope that she's doing an accurate accent. What drove me insane is that nobody else in the movie has an accent. They're just no- talking like normal. Yeah, exactly. No one is bothering to act like they're from Memphis. <laughs> no, she's the only... Because she's a country singer. 
Like, well, the yeah, actress the, is a country the, singer. the actress is a country singer. Nobody else was like, we're, but also like that does say a lot about how, what Hallmark is, is like, well, we have the budget to film inside Graceland or at least to replicate Graceland. No, we, we have the budget to ask Graceland to sponsor. <laughs> to sponsor. We, we, so That's like, a good point. Segments that are just about the, the guest house at Graceland. Which is, which is what the hotel is called. That's the hotel, yes. The guest house at Graceland. There's a concierge character that's basically just there. Yeah, a very ugly advertise. hotel, by the way. A very <laughs> ugly hotel. Well, okay, taste is, taste is subjective. Taste is subjective, that's right. I don't like it. Um, I just think maybe the camera that they brought in there didn't make the hotel look in the best way. Maybe. Lighting is, again. Lighting is insane. Like the, light, Lighting Their is, hotel room has like six or seven lamps. Re, 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 recurring, <laughs> recurring thing with all three films again, like lighting. Just, I mean. The brightest light possible. People, yeah, people, yeah. People are folding their laundry while watching these. They need a character to constantly like repeat the tension, the supposed tension in the plot, and they need yeah. them to be as bright as possible so that people don't fall asleep in front of the TV. What all, uh, that, random, that, 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 that's my conspiracy theory on I have these. a random note uh, so I, was, I watched this movie on Prime Video and as you know it has an x-ray feature um, hold on what? Prime Video has an you, x-ray you can, you can look like through the character's clothes? no you know what I mean it like gives you descriptors of like who the actor is playing in what scene and what song is being featured if you pause a Prime Video I've never paused a Prime Video if video you're on Prime Video life. you pause a movie x-ray comes up and it tells you what uh what actors are in the scene and what characters are playing, where the movie is set and stuff. And, it, and, and this one gives you a little bit, a little tidbit. It says... Um, Some IMDb trivia, you mean? A little bit, yeah. Prime Video is kind enough to let you know that snow in Memphis is rare, especially at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I paused... Really? I paused Christmas at Graceland and the x-ray fun so fact that... is like, a lot, of, a lot of this movie is shot at Memphis. However... Snow in Memphis is rare, especially in December. <laughs> it, it made a point of saying especially in December. Like so, we, they did like, so they did a fact check, basically, on this Yeah, they did a fact movie. check on this movie. The point of the movie, of that fact check, is for people to go like, oh my god, I'm not going to go to Memphis if there's not going to be snow on Christmas. Don't do that ever again. <laughs> um, so, so, the actual conflict of the film. Yeah. So, uh, play? Yeah. One of the acts of the Christmas Con- Graceland concert. He's promoting, yeah. Dr- he's, yeah, he's, he's working on, has dropped out. And he insists that Laurel and him should fill the spot. Because they're local celebrities, apparently. apparently yeah, they, no, they but a- that, like their last performance was then when they were in high school. Yeah, but it was at the Orpheum Theater, man. At the Orpheum <laughs> Theater. Yeah, That's but, a note but, I made. Yeah, I was like, the Orpheum? But, what yeah, the fuck? Yeah, yeah but like... It felt like talent showy to me, like yeah. But whatever. They, they okay, do this yeah, line that, in that the movie beat. of like, if they know we're back, so, people are gonna flock to our concert. Exactly. <laughs> like, so what? Well, okay. Yeah. So they go caroling and they sing together and they, and then, oh yeah, he brings the guitar to, um, he I does think, a lot of creepy guy a, stuff to but... a fireplace outside of the guest house at Graceland. That's a fireplace. He brings a wooden guitar, holds it over a fireplace, and then plays. Silent Night. Exactly. No, wait. One of them sings Silent Night. And the, the other, other one, one sings, sings Silver Bells. There you go. At the same time, like that has ever sounded nice to anybody. <laughs> Two songs at the same time. Yeah. And then. At the same BPM. They, sure, man. They performed that at the final show as well. And 
every single time it's quite baffling they they at first only shoot or no i wouldn't say shoot they only show the two of them performing and then they show you like the other side of it and, and all of a sudden a giant crowd has gathered around them yeah so i, I guess they are local celebrities who gave their last concert when they were teenagers <laughs> i mean they're also quite silent in the crowd they're also they, they quite do. silent so they can't hear and then the two leads look up after looking at each other intensely and then there's this giant crowd there yeah um i have i have a note uh clay looks like what a republican congressman slash ben shapiro probably imagined themselves to be that's not fair <laughs> that man is an honest working actor and i will not let you slander I him know, Pat. i'm it's nothing against the actor it's just west that- brown is his name by the way I have no and, idea what the actor's and name God is. And God bless him. <laughs> God bless him. He, he's doing the Lord's work in this movie. And by that I mean he's doing fine. Um, yeah, the biggest fantasy... Working is, actor, Wes Brown. <laughs> it, there's, I have a note because I thought this. I, this thought passed through my mind and I laughed at the fact that I had it. It says, look at all these goddamn evangelicals. <laughs> it was, it's a really dumb thought that just ran through my head. Look at all these blonde people. Yeah, uh, Another thing that sort of popped into my head while I was uh, watching this film, well, first of all, the the snowball fights and all of these feel like like a studio mandate. Yeah, you need to have those, even if they don't aren't really organic to the plot, like at all. Yeah, doesn't matter. I have a lot of random notes for all three of them, really. Um, there's a there's a part where uh, of the movie where both um, Laurel and Clay are like walking through the streets alone together, and uh, then Clay is like, "Hey, do you want to do stuff or do you want to go do something? Uh, I have a surprise or a secret or do you want to help me with something?" And Laura's like, "Yeah, what is it?" And then it cuts to a shot of the piano at Graceland, and both of them like drop the boots, and then. The movie then proceeds to show them going uh, into the, well, further into Graceland, like across the cordon. Guest house at Graceland. No, they're in Graceland. They're in the oh, house. That's right. Oh, yeah, that, that specific they're scene. They're in Elvis's house. Yeah, they're, they're going into the, blo- oh, oh, jumping into the over por- the blockade where you're not supposed so to actually be. So they can play be. the piano, the piano that Elvis played in. But the, the, the shot of them dropping the boots is <laughs> like... What? <laughs> I was like, I was for a second. Well, well, I was were like, were you uh, expecting a sex scene? <laughs> for a second, I thought they were about to bang. In okay, Graceland. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> for a second, I thought there was about to be a sex scene, and for some reason, it had to be in Graceland because the movie is called Christmas at Graceland. It's like if they do, it's not this, called sex at Graceland. <laughs> but they're behave too, yourself. They're too God good, damn it! They're two good-looking people that have a past. So since I'm not <laughs> accustomed to Hallmark movies, I was like. Well, they're gonna. They just dropped their boots. That means they're undressing. They're gonna bang. They, on the, they on didn't the drop their panties on the floor path. I know, but like for a second, I was like, for a second, I forgot that this was a Hallmark movie. <laughs> and then the rest of the movie, I was like, what a tame, what a tame company Hallmark is. Because every, again, everything else is like completely devoid of physical attraction. Man, this it's, is for Christian moms. I know. That's what I'm saying. Good. Okay. <laughs> towards the end after they finish playing their concert and they're about to realize that they like each other yeah. they sort of pat out the runtime with showing footage from earlier in the film of them sort of giving each other like looks like longing looks a lot of looks yeah there's a lot yeah. of looks a lot of looks and then they finally decide that they want to be together 
which leads to the sequel. Did, did you know that this had a sequel? Did this have a sequel? Oh, it's so. After this little quiz, we're going to move on. I'm going to give you three options. You've got to okay. pick one. What is the name of the sequel? Okay. Okay. I have three. Uh, I'm, you're going to give me three. Op- it's a multiple choice quiz. Yes. Okay. So, Hell yeah. The sequel is either Christmas with you. Okay. Or it's Christmas at Graceland. Here we go again. <laughs> or is it Wedding the- at Graceland? Wedding at Graceland. That's correct. That is the sequel. <laughs> I think it came out three three years later. No, uh, one year later. My God, turn around on these. I Just mean, insane. They do look easy to shoot. <laughs> they look particularly easy to shoot. Yeah. So the, the, the synopsis for the second one, if anyone's interested after our discussion <laughs> checking of this. Out the Graceland when saga. a spot opens up at a Graceland chapel, Lauren and Clay have only three weeks to plan their wedding. Yeah. Their simple plans get all shook up. Very different families than to help. So it's a family wedding coming up. Well, that's fun. One, one would assume. We're going to totally watch that never. Um, exactly. I, I think I'd rather watch a documentary about the Orange Kumquat again. Again? Yeah, because there's multiple. I mean, my favorite one is about, because they do like very specific, they do full documentaries about very specific incidents that occurred either during the movie yes. Orange Kumquat or during the filming of the Orange Kumquat. Yeah, when the, when the DP got mauled by two lions. Yeah. It was, it was pretty messed up. And then it turns out that Mike Potions is the one that let the lions out in the first place due to his well, negligence. Oh, well, he, like, he didn't open up a cage and let out the lions. I mean, They yeah. filmed at a location and they did not have the proper... It's still negligence, just in a different way. Yeah. That's also, all I'm saying. I want to Mike, clarify. I want to be a factual want, podcast so, here. Look, Mike Potions didn't want to pay for better cages, right? Because, again, he's the producer and he's a very problematic human being. So he didn't want to pay for better cages. The lions burst out of the cage and mauled the DP to death. And they had to halt Not to death. Not to death. Not, he, just, he was just... He almost died. I mean, he might as he, well be... He, did, he never moved again. He was in a bed forever. But he didn't die. <laughs> yeah. He never watched The Wizard of Oz. I just again. don't want Ma- Mike Potions to sue us, Pat. That's why I'm adding these like little layers in there. Come on, man. Okay, give me a break. Sure. So the DP, the DP from Orange Kumquat did survive, and he is he was replaced in his duties by Dave, not David Potions. No. Okay. By the cousin. But you got this. Oh, yeah, no, but he's he was the director. He was the director. He credited himself with being the DP, but actually, an operator did most of that work. Yeah. Like a camera operator. For sure. Yeah, a very complicated family, that Potions family. So let's do a Switch film dynasty for Christmas. <laughs> so Switch for Christmas, which I didn't realize. Stars one of the people from Full House. It's DJ from Full House. DJ from Full House. I, I recognized her immediately because my sister loves Full House. My 16-year-old sister loves Full House. Cameron no, Candace Cameron Burr. Yeah, and they also, my little sister also likes Fuller House, which is which features the adults, well, the kids from Full House. Yeah, now and, she, being and she's the lead in that, right? She's, she's the lead the of lead Fuller in that. House. She's DJ. So I, the, when I started watching this movie, I was like, I recognize this woman from somewhere, and it's DJ from Full House. Um, yeah, she feels like the right choice for a movie like this. It's a very sitcom-y storyline turned into a full movie. Um because uh, may I explain the plot of the movie? Sure, go ahead. So the idea is that uh, two twins, 
<laughs> I mean, so four people. So four people. No, uh, a pair of twins, there twin you go. sisters, uh, Chris and Kate uh, Lockhart, uh, have a history of switching places, aka parent trapping other people whenever they needed uh, each other to fulfill certain duties. When they were kids, uh, Kate asked Chris to fill in for her as the employee at a ticket booth. So she could figure, not figure skate, so she could ice skate with a guy that he had a crush on, right? She. That she had a crush on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I mean, look, gender is a fluid thing. So sometimes it's like confused pronouns is completely by accident. Um, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'm trying to fix the situation with humor. Um, so time passes. Kate becomes this powerful executive at this um real estate, real estate firm. development film firm and uh chris is a mom a, she's a mom and she's art also a, an art teacher at like an elementary or middle school um one of them lives in denver which is kate and uh, chris lives in suburban littleton <laughs> which is a completely fake town with a terrible name however both of them are charged with organizing the christmas parties well Kate is tasked with organizing the Christmas party at her office, and Chris is tasked with making the Christmas carnival for the entire town, which is a, a way harder task than the other one. Well, it's at, at the school, but it's implied that people from the town attend it yeah. as well. So uh, both of them uh, meet up for sis uh, Christmas sister brunch, which is something they promised their mother that they would do, which is insane. <laughs> Just meet up for brunch, man. Yeah, no, and... That beat is played in a way where like the it's a very weird beat. The dad tricks them into reuniting at this admittedly fancy looking brunch place. Yeah. And I would imagine, oh, we haven't done this in ten years. We haven't they hadn't done it <laughs> yeah. in in two years. It was so simple. Which for adults like feels normal. Like, yeah. it, like especially family. for like siblings that have been separated by like a job or a exactly. family or stuff. Not as dramatic as they'd like it to be, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. But then they, they come up with this plot device that is only in the movie for this particular one scene, or only features in the movie for this one scene. They promised their dying mother that they would have a Christmas si twin brunch or twin sister Christmas brunch. Christmas sister brunch. That's what Christmas they call it. sister brunch every year. And they have declined to do it for the past two years. And it is during this brunch that both of them are like, man... Your party is so much easier to organize than mine. No, my party is so much harder to organize than yours. Wait, should we switch? <laughs> should we do a reverse parent trap? And they go, yes. So they both assume each other's lives in order to plan a Christmas party instead of just planning the Christmas party. <laughs> instead of just being like, hey, I planned your Christmas party. Show it to your fellow employees. Yeah, but that, well, okay. But, but then... Yeah, yeah it, it 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 also has something to do with. It's very sitcommy. It's very sitcommy, and also one of them is like, "Oh, yeah, I'm raising children. I'm doing this and that." Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's also kind of about the other person walking walking a mile in the in their sister's shoes to yeah. understand them a little better. It's they a, haven't seen each other in two years. It's to understand each other, but also it's dumb. So uh, Kate assumes Chris's place in Littleton, and Chris assumes Kate's place in her corporate office in Denver, and as was to be expected. They both encounter uh, bland-looking hunks, one and two. <laughs> the, uh, the, I call them the bland boys in my notes. Their names are Greg and Tom. Their names are Greg and Tom, but I call them uh, city bland boy and town bland boy. Uh, town bland boy, his name is Tom, 
turns out to be the former crush or the or the person that uh, Kate was supposed to go ice skating with a long, long time ago. And at the same time, Chris starts to really like one of Kate's co-workers, a guy named Greg, who is, I think, the blander of the two hunks. We could we could argue which one is blander. Um, they're they're both really into like organizing. They're like, both that, really into like that's organizing. a shared characteristic. That's a shared characteristic. And they're waiting for the one. They're waiting for the one. The issue like good Christian men. <laughs> like good Christian men. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, see, see that reaction right there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're both. I think uh, I'm a good Christian man. God damn it. Christian man. Uh, we're not going to get into theological discussions. We have very little time to talk about Switch for Christmas. So um, the issue is that they both start interfering or they both start like living out the other's personal lives and not just the parts that are about organizing the party. And they both start predictably falling in love with, the bland, with their respective bland boys. Uh, all the while, the bland boys think that they're dating the sister that they're not dating. <laughs> Which is, you know, very stupid. And the movie... I mean, but that's what they would think. Like, I, I'm very surprised at the fact that once at the resolution where the jig is up and it is revealed that they had switched and they reveal this to their respective romantic interests... Blame voice. That, that their reaction wasn't stronger. <laughs> yeah. Like, their reaction to being gaslit into believing they were seeing this person wasn't... Yeah. One, even I more. mean, Greg takes it nicer. Greg is like, oh. <laughs> and then later Next, he's like... Oh, but I still like you, so I don't care. <laughs> and then Tom Kinder, he, he runs away, but then they reunite at the ice rink. Do a little, to be fair, quite impressive backwards skating skip. Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive. And then then, then they also uh, make up. Kiss and make up. Kiss and make Roll up. Roll credits. The yeah. movie's ending. So uh, there's a lot. I have a lot of rand notes for this. I, I have a couple of lines that I wanted to run by you. Oh so hell yeah! In the uh, opening uh, sequence, when what's her name, Chris? Chris, Chris. is Chris is our teacher slash mom, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Chris is Kate, and Kate is Chris. Yes. And they're both DJ Tanner. <laughs> they're both DJ Tanner from Full House. So she's making breakfast, and when call down her kid to come and eat. She yells out, time for Eggy. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty Yeah, good. there you go. Here's the thing. The reason why I laughed is, uh, is not just because it's ridiculous, but also I've been watching a lot of this YouTuber called uh, B. Dylan Hollis. He's this baker who makes uh, his whole channel is about like grabbing cook cook cookbooks from the 20s and making like desserts and baked goods from the 20s, talking about their history and stuff. But he calls eggs eggies. So he's like, two eggies. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he does it as a joke. They do it for real in this movie as if anyone, maybe people in real life do it. But like it's millennials, like, maybe millennials do maybe it. Maybe millennials do it. Here's millennials, let us know if you call down in the comment section. Let us know if you call eggs eggies. Here's the thing. There's a lot of stuff that people do that becomes cringeworthy when they see other people do it. Like a lot of couples or a lot of stuff that you do with your significant other becomes cringy when you see other people do it but when you when both of you do it like speak in baby voices or or give each other like pet names it becomes cringy for some reason when other people do it so maybe maybe the, we have we all have this equivalent of like calling certain things certain things and just in the case of dj tanner number one it's calling eggs eggy sure and then there's also once they have switched and 
Kate realizes that she's dealing with this Tom Kinder person who she'd had this situation with years prior. Kate on the phone is hearing about the situation and she said, so what did you do when you encountered your Insta crush again? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. There's a lot of weird stuff. There's a lot of strangeness in this movie. And I mean, this movie yeah, is... There's a young son who doesn't know how to do the dishes, so he washes the plates with the rug. He does. Some characterization, baby. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, a lot of random notes. About 10 minutes in, I was like, is this going to be a reverse parent trap? And then I remember is, that is the this, title is Switch for Christmas. Is this similar to, like, they're not trying to get their parents to get back together. So calling this a parent trap at all feels very disingenuous. Well, that is that is a good point. But it is, it is a reverse parent trap in that adults, adult twins are switching in order to, to do something. But they're not, like, fooling. Well, I guess they're fooling some people. They're, they're, to me, okay. So let's call, even though the name is parent trap, I think we have to define what a parent trap is. It's when twins switch, switch places in order to fool somebody or in order is it? to it, it, it's when twins switch places in order to fulfill a goal that can only be fulfilled by pretending to be the other twin i just feel like twin switch is better <laughs> twin switch well yeah i guess so but like um yeah, like 10 minutes into this movie, I was like, oh, they're going to switch places. <laughs> like, I, the, they hadn't even set up the premise of this movie. Well, I was like, well, yeah, that's the title of the film. The though. title, I've, it's a world where I forgot that the title of the film is Switch for Christmas. Um, the, the big problem to me is they did very little script-wise and to distinguish between the twins. To be like, what is the difference between these twins? The way they dress is, I, I think, the way they try to show it the most. Yeah. Or one who would... Ha would they have wear the same sort of... personality, basically. <laughs> Once they switch. Yeah. yeah. Once the, they switch, they basically They become very the homogenous. Because beforehand, it's like, well, one's a mom, one works in the city. And <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I think the the biggest problem for me script wise is that like the tension is just isn't there for I was never afraid for them to get caught. They even go out of their way to sh to show that the children of Oh, the children Kate, know about the whole thing. That the, the children are in on it and are like encouraging it. So <laughs> which is weird. Which uh, it's it's interesting on one end. I, I feel like that that could be something like story wise if this were not on the Hallmark channel and they're allowed to go a little further with it. I think that would be an interesting choice to make. Yeah. But here it's, it deflates the tension. That's what it, it deflates does. deflates the tension, yeah. Like, the, it, like everyone is in on it except for the bland boys. Except for the two bland boys. Yeah, there you go. Um, the, the dad realizes immediately as the well. The dad realizes immediately, yeah. And then the rest of the movie just goes by like it never mattered. And the kids keep calling her mom in, in front of the bland boy and stuff. It's so weird. It's so dumb and weird and dull and boring. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we already mentioned the weird promise that you make to your dying mother. I, I haven't. I swear, mother, on your deathbed, on your last breath, I have brunch with my twin sister every Christmas. Every Christmas. or so help me. Um, yeah, I, I the the thing that sort of saved this and got this above Christmas at Graceland is that I, I was just imagining what the R-rated version of this would look like. Yeah. 
because they have this conversation where they agree to not interfere with the other person's personal life. Yeah. So they would stop seeing their respective romantic interests. Yes. So the thing you do in an R-rated comedy right after the call ends is what? Both of them bang their it, respective bland boys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but but that doesn't happen here. That doesn't happen They here. They just kind of, I think they bake gingerbread houses. One of one, one, one pair of them bakes gingerbread houses. Oh my God, the gingerbread houses. There's a line and the associated other, with the gingerbread houses. That's insane. Let yeah. me know. Which one is it? So they're planning the office party. And first of all, they're planning this office party like it's the carnival. Instead of just being like, we're going to have a spiked punch bowl and secret. But yeah, but yeah, you don't say that. You don't say we're going to have a... We, we, they, you say we're going to have a punch bowl and then Ethel. Exactly. She might have like, a secret ingredient to her the, punch. The inherent thing that I was like, what in this movie? Besides the fact that it's boring. It's like organizing an office Christmas party is incredibly simple compared to organizing a carnival like for a school slash a small town. It's just a bowl of punch and Secret Santa. That's all you have to do. And and, and the Christmas sweater competition. And the sweater competition. But they treat like the, the whole Christmas party as equally important as like a huge carnival. So they do like... Uh, I don't know, like, we're going to build this whole gingerbread house to the point that they're... Like they're five gingerbread... Ginger, five gingerbread houses? Five gingerbread houses. To the point that there's, like, architectural discussions and stuff, and they have this idea well, for, like... brief architectural discussion. Yeah, so they have this discussion where they're, like, um, so, uh, where Greg is, like, well, I can think about the proportions, I just need the gingerbread. And she goes, well, I can bake the gingerbread, I know how to bake... And then they go, and then after all the architecture stuff is gone, all the proceeds are going to go to Habitat for Humanity. And I was like, the proceeds from what? <laughs> the proceeds from the silent auction of the gingerbread houses. <laughs> Which, I, again, I, I, it's crazy. Personally, I would never, but I can, I can see someone who has like four children at home. <laughs> it's so is, weird, is, 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 a, is, is a desk clerk at this firm, but also has four children at home. Uh-huh. He's spread incredibly thin. No time to make gingerbread houses. Oh, this one looks kind of nice. Fuck it, let me just spit on it, and hopefully no one else does. But, like, why? First, I mean, there's a lot of things. First of all, part of the joy of gingerbread houses is making them. The second thing is, like... Looking at them and eating them? They were pretty big. No, gingerbread houses taste like shit. <laughs> you don't like gingerbread? No, I'm not kinda, a gingerbread bitch? Kinda. I'm not a... Mol- <laughs> I'm not a... Mol- <laughs> I'm a gingerbread guy. <laughs> uh, Please. Oh, I'm not a molasses sorry. guy. Okay. I'm not a molasses mommy. I'm just going to try and find the words that start to do the alliteration with. Um, yeah, no, I... Yeah, but also, like, why would you buy a gin, an already made gingerbread house? Like, transporting well, it, it looks has got to be nice. a pain. Because it looks nice. I know, but, like, why? Well, to be fair, walking down on several flights of stairs from yeah. your office back to your car. Exactly. With a gingerbread is, house. You might trip and fall and with, the gingerbread house might get might be ruined. And they're actually quite large gingerbread houses. <laughs> they're not yeah. they're not normal They're size. gingerbread buildings. They're gingerbread buildings. But also like the whole idea of like, well, whatever we sell, they're going to go to Habitat for Humanity like like first of all, like it's going to make any significant amount of money that's Habitat for Humanity. Yeah, like, like whoa, man. <laughs> $500 Habitat for Listen. It's not bad actually. Now that I think about it, five hundred dollars for for a donation, but it's like also an auction. So like, yeah, but they have like ten houses. Let's let's say they all go fifty. They go for fifty a pop. Yeah. There you go. But gingerbread houses are well, whatever. the The point is like, 
that line was really weird. And the whole idea of like they, they give the same weight to both of the, the idea. The reason why they switch is like, what? Why would you do this? Yeah, and and the 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 ice the backward ice skating at the end. That's at the school. Christmas Land Carnival, whatever they called it, right? Yeah, I'm not. If I'm not Winter mistaken. Wonderland. Winter Wonderland. Do we see any more Winter Wonderland towards the end of the film? Uh, Besides the ice skating, they talk about stuff like they talk about doing things, about yeah, things that they were going to include, but they don't actually show them. Okay, good. So I'm, I'm not crazy. Yeah, the the other thing is like with the whole like, uh, I mean, Tom. It has input on how the Winter Wonderland is going to go because he's a donor for the school. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they're a, trying to look for a very, money. A very generous donor. A very generous donor. But I can't think of a gen, uh, a donor being like this nitpicky about like a Winter Wonderland. You can't? I mean, you can because you're a donor. But like, why would he care about what a school does? Like a school oh, Okay, so, so the in-world uh, in explanation is that he wants his son yeah. who's, who's going to switch schools to feel welcome. He wants him to feel welcome, yeah. But the, also, like, it's a lot of him. Uh, it's a lot of himself he's putting into. Yeah, it. he's he he might be he might be micromanaging his son's life just, yeah. just a touch. Everyone micro. Everyone's a little. All the dudes are slightly weird in these movies. Like Clay in the previous one is also very insistent and pushy and pressury, but because they're hot and fictional, you they can get away with a lot because they're bland bland yeah, boy yeah, hooks. Yeah, but they're they're not like creepy pushy. They're Christian pushy. They're Christian pushy, mm-hmm. which is still creepy. But like, because you're Christian, you're like, oh my God, he's so insisting. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing a little, a little Memphis voice. <laughs> well, at least, I mean, Benoit Blanc is my personal friend. He's like, well, I do see a mystery here. <laughs> I live in Georgia. What are you doing? <laughs> Georgia? Isn't, isn't he from New Orleans? He's from Nolens. That's right. He's from Louisiana. <laughs> He's from the French Quarter. <laughs> exactly. There's been a murder here. He, he lives with Hugh Grant he in the French with, Quarter. He lives with his husband, Hugh Grant, in the French Quarter. That's right. So, well, partner. Shouldn't assume people's marital state. That's true. I want to I wanna think that they're happily married. So, Pat, do you think this film got a sequel? I would... Yeah, I actually... No, wait. No, this one didn't. This one didn't. But... <laughs> you can see DJ Tanner Fuller and many other of these if if you're a fan of her performance in this. Uh, also, fun fact, I think her... There's, the actress who plays her daughter plays a past version of her in, in another one of these, I believe. Yeah, she's also in a bunch of these and she's also head of like a... Of like a media group that is like a subsidiary of Hallmark, I think. So it makes oh. sense why she's in a lot of them. I think so. I may be wrong. Okay. She's the head of content for some company that is a subsidiary. Well, I she's think. an executive producer on Switch for Christmas as well. That makes sense. <laughs> there you go. DJ DJ Tanner looked at this and said at the script and said, "You know what? This is worthy of me." This is. And also, Hallmark has to be swimming in cash. If they're just pumping out stuff like this. And, th- and they're not like small. I mean, they did do Christmas at Dollywood, which we will have to watch eventually, I think. Next Christmas special, Next maybe. Christmas special, we're going to do Christmas at Dollywood. Um, do you have so, anything more to say about it? Because, again, there's very little to say about Switch for Christmas, except for the fact that it is it is very sitcom-y. 
which is it's, why it's, I get. I would say it feels more natural. No offense to the people out there who enjoy Ted Lasso. It feels very Ted Lasso-y to me, to but me. like not as good. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Ted Lasso in the oh, first place. Oh, Ted Lasso's good though. It's really. I I understand that. <laughs> I understand. I just com comedies to me besides either R-rated or absurdist. I prefer them to be a little mean. And Ted Lasso doesn't quite get there. I like the lessons yeah. that Ted Lasso depicts. And positivity. There's not a lot of media that is oriented towards positivity. At least mainstream media. Yeah. Large narrative media. Yeah. It's y nice. Yeah. Um, There's also a Ted Lasso Christmas episode that originally came out in August. And the, se <laughs> the, se the, the, the season, I think it's episode six in season two. Christmas episode came out in August. I think one of these three movies came out in July. I think one of what? these three movies that we're talking about came out in July. Is it, is it the one we're about to talk about? I don't like think it's Christmas, Christmas Prince. I don't think it's Christmas Prince. Uh, it's one of the two Hallmark ones. Okay. We're going to have to shake up on that because, like, again, they're also, they're also quintessential Christmas, I think, Hallmark. I mean, you do get cards from them for gifts and stuff. Do you? Yeah, that's where they're from. Like, the... the they do get, they're like a gift store more than a media. They were a gift store first and then they were a media company. Got you. Okay. I think so. Again, maybe wrong. Okay, so you, you will get your wooden rocking horse from a Hallmark store. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check up on that. Uh, why don't you tell us about The Christmas Prince? So The Christmas Prince is a Netflix original film starring the wonderful Rose McIver of uh, iZombie and Ghosts fame. Yeah. Shout out to her. One of the best American accents out there. This is not, this is completely genuine, not meant as a joke at all. Because I think she's originally from Australia. Okay. And she does a very, very, very convincing. Shout out to Aussies, Aussie actors in general. They have that American accent down. Like Tony Collette, if you didn't tell me, I wouldn't know yeah. that she's originally not American. Yeah, man. She's, that's because she's good at acting. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> the, the people who I think, what's the, what's the one, what's the university at Kate Blanchett? Yeah, University. University of Kate Blanchett. No, the, it's, it's university. called, uh, it was called BAPA, which Ballarat Performing Arts. But then it was also called Federation University. This doesn't matter. I'm gonna, we're going to cut this part out. Anyway. We're going to probably cut this part out, yeah. So the Christmas Prince. <laughs> Turns out there are two sequels to the Christmas Prince. Oh, yeah. So get, out of, get out of this uh, right before. So uh, it, it's a franchise. It's, it's, a, it's actually pretty... That we might uh, revisit. not revisit ever. Apparently, it was a very watched movie. The first Christmas Prince at least. At least. Otherwise, Netflix wouldn't have green Christmas Prince sequel. list? Christmas Prince at least. Okay, got it. Yeah, because apparently it's it was very well watched. Uh, that's what well justified received. the sequels. Okay. Um, very well streamed, so to speak. So the protagonist is in this one is called Amber. Amber, played by Rose McIver. She's a an editor at a fashion magazine, and they establish quite early on that fashion she's, slash gossip. Yeah, she's a little too overqualified for her job. Uh, one of the reporters is a lazy 
<laughs> yeah, that that very, first very, scene very was like, what is going person. on here? <laughs> it doesn't care about journalistic integrity like <laughs> at, at all. all. Like, <laughs> did not give a shit. Verifying sources just isn't important to him. She gets tasked to follow the person in line for the throne of the modern day slash old British colony Aldovia. Is it a British colony? I assume that it is. <laughs> so uh, I just well, assumed well, well, it was like the the well, country from Prince's Diaries, and it was just like a country that is kind of like Britain, but it's not Britain. We'll we'll get into this in a second. So, <laughs> so I have she, so many notes gets, about this. She gets the assignment of going to Aldovia to attend a press conference where the titular prince would reveal whether or not he would actually accept the throne. Because his father died a year ago. Yes. And there's been a whole interregnum period. Very long. Very long. A Very year, long. A year, long. a year without a head of state. Can you imagine if the United Kingdom went <laughs> without a king or a queen for a year? Yeah. It'd be crazy. You can? Yeah, I can. Oh. <laughs> I think it would be exactly the same. <laughs> for the most part, it would be exactly the same. Fair enough. So she arrives in Aldovia. All the other reporters that are there have like Cockney accents. Mm-hmm. And the flag of Aldovia is uh, the flag of Nigeria. That's how I'm going to describe it. It's the flag of Nigeria it's, it's with, so a, with a crest in the middle. It's where so the funny. Where the white part of the Nigerian flag yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's very ridiculous. That's what it is. So the prince doesn't attend the press conference. The reporters start leaving quite disappointedly, talking in Cockney to each other. Yeah. But Amber, All right. she is not going to be, she's not going to go home empty-handed. So she infiltrates the palace and impersonates the princess's tutor. The new tutor. The, the, the young American princess's tutor. American tutor. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, the princess quite quickly realizes that that's, that's not my tutor. That's a reporter. But I but, like her. But, but I nice. like her because she plays with me, so I'm not telling anybody. But you better play with me and not teach me anything. Yeah. The thing is, Emily has a spina bifida. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, to, to this film's credit, actually. So it, I think films have not been the best at depicting people who... Uh, wheelchair users. Specifically, mm-hmm. because the common assumption is that if you are in a wheelchair, you're bound to the wheelchair, and that's not necessarily true. And you're fragile and whatnot. No, they they represent this girl as like a very as a person, basically. Yeah, exactly. And she's not bound to the wheelchair. So then, when when she gets up and walks around on crutches, the royalty related aspects of herself are more immediately relevant than the wheelchair aspects of herself, which yeah. is something this movie should be commended for. Yeah, but this, but this is like very casually. She's a wheelchair user, yes, but she's a specific type of wheelchair user that's different from like the one that gets normally depicted mm-hmm. in films because the, the direct assumption is you're, you, you're a wheelchair user, that means you're wheelchair bound. Yes. And this character is not. They give her crutches. Yes. And uh, she's also a member of the ruling class. Okay. <laughs> she's also okay. a member of outdated institutions oh, okay. of ruling. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> That's what makes her the, different. The inclusiveness kind of ends there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless. But yeah, that's thumbs up, Christmas Prince. Yeah, sure. Part. Something to be commended for, your inclusive nature. So over the course of the time that Amber is spending at the Aldovian Royal Palace, 
she realizes that the prince is actually just very shy about being in public. And they start falling for each other when she realizes this. Mm-hmm. And she just, he just falls for her because she can see the future. Yes. Yes. However. <laughs> However, one night when, yeah, she follows him on horseback into the, I guess, forest that surrounds the palace. Mm-hmm. She falls off the horse and gets lost. He finds her, leads her back to his cabin? His cabin of secrets. His royal cabin of secrets. His royal cabin of secrets where he presents her with a poem that his father wrote before dying. And it's a very sweet poem, love poem for for his wife. But then Amber goes through that book and finds a birth certificate and forged adoption papers for... The prince. Oh no, they're not forged adoption papers. Are they not? They're real adoption. Oh papers. no, no, no. Oh yeah, the, the Christmas, the birth, the birth certificate is the, the one big, that's forged. The big drama of this movie is that the titular Christmas prince is not the true, the 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 biological son of the late king of the late king and queen, and and the, the rival, the rival finds this out mm-hmm. because she uh, gets those papers and brings them to a room. Yeah. The person who is next in life for the throne after the is his, Christmas prince is is his cousin who is actually related to the bloodline of the kings and queens of Aldovia. Exactly. And he, yeah. he goes through the room, finds these papers when the coronation is about to happen at this beautiful Christmas Day ball. Yeah. They come forward when when the I even wouldn't call this a minister, this guy a minister. When when the person who Carrying out the coronation, yeah. turns and asks, "Does anyone have something to object to this coronation?" <laughs> yeah, because that's a thing that happens at coronations. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> have, have Have you ever seen a live coronation? Yeah, Queen Charles's. Did you actually watch it? I watched Queen Charles's coronation. And did, did they not ask? Turn <laughs> to the audience and ask, no, "Does someone didn't. have to object? I, no, does someone object to this coronation?" No, because I could think of some like Commonwealth emissaries who would have said something like, "Hey." I would like to. <laughs> hey, I, hey, uh, hi! It's me from uh, Ireland or, or Scotland. Yeah, it's me know. from Ireland and Scotland, and also the people from Bermuda and Jamaica. Can you stop? <laughs> Can you just stop? We don't want a king anymore. Fair, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. There you go. No, it's not that we don't want a king anymore. We don't want you to be king, <laughs> and we're going to destabilize the institutions that oppress us. It's like fair enough. So yeah, uh, they I watched Queen Charles coronation. Yeah, they unveil the. Adoption papers. Yeah. The queen in tears confirms that they're real. And so this cousin figure together with this. With uh, the Christmas princess, Old Flame. Who yeah. was only interested in him as long as he was the heir to the throne. Exactly. And is now interested in, in the cousin. cousin Simon who sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cousin Simon sucks. Cousin all right. Simon is the, a dick. He would have been a fat. We're gonna get into the whole because I had a lot of notes about the ruling system of. So right, so right before, right before, he goes before Parliament, the Aldovian Parliament, to get coronated. Amber finds a note from the late king, amending the laws of the of Aldovia, to so that to allow the titular Christmas prince to allow the adopted Christmas prince to take over. As the king, yes, that somehow works. <laughs> it works. <laughs> he get he gets the title. He is the new king. 
king. <laughs> he's Queen Christmas Prince. <laughs> he's he's King Christmas Prince. Amber goes back <laughs> to America, not not really in shame anymore, but kind yeah. Yeah, sad, sad because she sad because she, she has to leave the, the the prince behind, and they were starting to fall for each other. Then on New Year's, she's hanging out with her with her journalist friend. Right? No, that's no. His oh my stereotypical God. gay coworker. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but right before that, she gets again another terrible boss. She gets fired because the story no, that she, she wrote. She doesn't she. Qu- she wrote this oh. very. She wrote this very nice, yeah. honest piece about the prince, and and the, the boss like, says this is de- shit, demystifying him and uh, debunking the rumors that he's a playboy and a debutante and a philanderer. And his boss is like, "This is shit, dude. <laughs> this is shit, dude. You're fired." So then she goes work in her dad's uh, and she goes, diner. You know what? I quit. Yeah, exactly. I'm done. <laughs> she goes work in the dad's diner on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. She's hanging out at the diner with her coworkers. She declines to go to a party. The prince shows up at the diner as the clock is about to strike midnight. They they profess their love for each other. They have a little kiss. He pro- he proposes. He proposes, to him. and that's the setup for the sequel. That's the setup for the sequel. The end. I have a lot of notes about the system of governance of Aldovia. I think this is the only thing we might talk about. <laughs> so uh, honestly, because this applies again. The the movie is boring. There's a there's a snowball fight that's lame as hell. Yeah. There's a there's a sequence where they ride a bobsled that is lame as hell. They're lame as hell. And it never feels like the characters won't get what they want by the yeah, end. Yeah, of course. No tension. So first of so, all, Aldovia. I Aldovia. Think, I think this is a new British colony. I think this is an alternate <laughs> reality where the British just kind of kept making colonies. Yeah, but also, but then why would there be a king? Of, wouldn't he be the viceroy? I, I just think this is a like a Princess Diaries situation. Well, okay, just, no, that's right. Or yeah. it's, a con- it's a country where like the customs suggest Great Britain, because that is the most high-profile example we have sure. of what a monarchy is. Okay. But the fact that they live in a very snowy, mountainous, uh, wooded place suggests sort of a Switzerland-ish type setting. Yeah. Sort of Austria, sort of R- Germany. Oh, it's right in between... Liechtenstein in Austria. That's where yeah, Aldovia that is. That's exactly what it is. The, the, <laughs> the, the palace. The smallest. The palace is basically the entire country. The palace is basically the entire country. That's one thing. Um, I was wondering if it was an absolute monarchy or a constitutional one because there is a parliament and there's a prime minister in this movie. There's, a, yeah. However, I guess the king has the authority. The king has the authority to change the laws of succession. Yes. Which means he does have some degree of power. Yeah, it's not a. It's not really. Uh, a purely like representative kind of okay. yeah, yeah that's but there's also not really a theocratic element that mm. would legitimize said monarchy because all monarchies have to have a degree of divine legitimacy yeah they, they have to be they have to be chosen by god the closest thing to a theocratic thing is the fact that they're crowning him on a christmas ball <laughs> they're, they're the crowning christmas. him on christmas yeah there's yeah this the Christmas Prince goes very, very light on the Christianity. They go very light on the Christianity. It's, However, it's truly subtext But they imply here. that it's like a tradition, like he's going to be crowned at the Christmas ball. Like there's a, a, a well, year. Well, no, well, no, I, no, I, they I go, think, I think they just take the Christmas ball because no, they, they say it they as have, they, tradition. But, but they have like multiple press events. They have multiple press where events, he, where yes. he's supposed to like publicly announce that he's going to take over. And the but Christmas, the coronation is going to take place at the Christmas ball. The, the they, Chris, but the Christmas ball is also the first time he publicly announces his intention to accept the throne. Okay, that's that's a good point. 
Um, so I have more. Um, yeah, there's a there's a prime minister. There's a parliament. There's a prime minister. There's, so there's a parliament. A legislative body of government. They are they are, they all speak in Cockney accents. They all speak in Cockney accents, except for the royal family who speaks in generic British accents. Not even like the specific Sm posh British. Just accents. smarmy British. Yeah, smarmy exactly. British. Yeah. Um, there is very little protocol in terms of like, do you bow? Do you curtsy? There's no heralds. There's no people that like announce the Lady Sophia, and then the, the Lady Sophia just barges into a family gathering. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's a, it's a real. You you could look at this in two ways, right? So it's a very very small country. Not that many people who would want to barge in and assassinate king, queen, princess, whoever. Yeah. But then, given that this is a monarchy, maybe a lot of civil unrest that the Aldovian government is hiding. Yeah. Perhaps a lot of people unhappy with the monarchy would just storm mm -hmm. the palace. This doesn't happen here. Yeah. But I can imagine maybe in one of the sequels that that's not the plot also, point. Who knows? Yeah. Also, uh, <laughs> this kingdom is able to somehow function for an entire year without a head of state. <laughs> well, yeah. The, maybe the, the queen, maybe the, the queen I, mother. I just, yeah. Queen mother and prime minister, they sort of take yeah, over those duties, but, I would imagine. But they don't have an official head of state, which would be the king. Okay. Yeah. So this country is somehow able to function. That's yeah. The, the only reasonable explanation for this is that is it's, that the mom is somehow in charge. She's yeah. she's in charge, and the country's really small. Yeah, and also the mom somehow gets to call the shots even after the Christmas prince is back, even though he's the heir apparent slash technically the king. <laughs> yeah, I would I would imagine he has to sign off on what the mother has to say, <laughs> yes. but she's she's mother superior, so of course she's she listens. Mother superior. That is a good point. It's it's very specific because I I I was just wondering if in this alternate reality if Nigeria was real and what they thought about <laughs> Aldovia appropriating their flag. Yeah. Also, here's the thing: at the end of the movie, the head of state of this nation is alone, unguarded on that's right. No, he could be he could be assassinated on the streets of yeah, Manhattan. So that means that he's not really he can't really be in charge. He has otherwise he'd be protected. He, he has a comically fake beard at the start of the film that he uses to steal a cab from the protagonist. Yeah. I was hoping that the beard might make a comeback and then he'd rip it off his his <laughs> jaw. Yeah. But it didn't happen, sadly. There are look, there are symbols of there's a crown and there's a scepter. That's true. And they do have the little cross on top. And they also have stolen porcelain goods inside of the palace. They have a they have a Ming Dynasty vase. Multiple. They have multiple. So they are British adjacent. Adjacent, at least. <laughs> there's a, this, okay, this is as far as this conversation is going to go because there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in this movie. Uh, well, this she, movie, given the fact that uh, uh, Amber. Yeah. Who's a reporter is uh, recording and taking pictures on her phone. Terrible at taking pictures. Secretly, no, but, no, by but, the way. no, but somehow she has. Well, yeah, she would get if if someone would actually pay attention to what she does, she would have gotten <laughs> spotted. Re, she would have gotten. The only reason she gets away with it. Spotted right away. Attention. No, but the photos that she takes that you see like part of a picture on her laptop, they're like really high quality. Really high quality. But does There's she have a like of... a does she have like a future phone or something? Also, when she FaceTimes her generic gay coworker and oh her other God. friend. The Dude. ultra ultra high definition screen, ultra Aldovia, high definition camera. You know what Aldovia's main export <laughs> is? High definition cameras. No, I would imagine like those. What are those called? Like uh, fiber optic cables for internet. Yes, because they're it's. it's
Crystal because clear. Oh, oh my god, the quality on on the it's better the, quality than most laptop screens. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my god. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's insane. Um, the main thing that I noticed from this movie, and the main distinction I think it has from the Hallmark movies, it has penis jokes. <laughs> it has one or two penis. Oh, jokes. that's true. So th- it's uh, it's penis jokes that fly under the radar. But they're yeah. penis jokes nonetheless. There are ones that you can easily justify in front of a Christian audience. Yeah, and also... If, if they were to complain to somebody, also, yeah. you can, you can play dumb. Them. Kids would miss them. That's true. So the the little girl goes... Uh, oh, so the little girl does one of them. That's true. The little girl does one of them. So the, Christmas, the titular Christmas prince is practicing archery in his backyard. Because, you know, royalty. Um, and then the little sister is like, hey, can I do it while on a wheelchair? And the brother, the Christmas prince, is like, well, my mother would lop off my head if she saw this. And the little girl goes, it's better than lopping off something else. His ear. <laughs> You're like, his, his ear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the other one is uh, about Cousin Simon because they're talking about Ferraris. And Cousin Simon's like, what's wrong with my Ferrari? And, and the then- Christmas prince goes... Uh, it's not that the Ferrari has something wrong. It's what it's compensating for. And you're like, is that a, was that a dig joke? <laughs> yeah, no, they. It's crazy that there's dig jokes. They 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 shared locker rooms. I would imagine <laughs> at at whatever fancy prep. They have shared at whatever wet, fancy British prep school they went nurses, to. Probably wet hmm. nurses. Yeah, <laughs> they, were, they were probably yeah. They're cousins. They're related to each other. Yeah, but it's also it's also a out of pocket. Small dick energy joke. <laughs> yeah, Mostly. that's true. Yeah, it's it's crazy that this one does have dick jokes, but that's as far, about as far as it goes because there's zero lust. Speaking, they're of, in a cabin oh, alone. Yeah. They're in a cabin yeah, alone again, in a snowstorm. Chem- chemistry, chemistry. Like there's there's no palpable chemistry yeah. again. Sadly, I think one of the sequels is them having a baby, and I'm sure it was immaculately conceived because <laughs> there's or like well when. Maybe in the the second one is a wedding, so maybe by then they develop like actual feelings for each other. Because when he proposes, she even says, "I barely know you." <laughs> yeah, she's the only one that recognizes. Oh, I'm I'm in a movie. Wait, this is weird. There you go. For a second. Um, also, the, the 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 parliament session. No security guards there either. There's no security. There there's no like soldiers really. There's no like. Uh... So I'm guessing that in this in this part of the timeline, there's no no real civil unrest yet. Or, here's the thing, um, they have been the cause of global conflicts, and the UN has imposed restrictions on them having armed forces, the way they did with Japan and Germany. Maybe. <laughs> so but, they, but then we, we get into a whole, like, more alternate history yeah, discussion. Maybe they committed crimes against humanity in <laughs> China. Jesus Christ. And that's why I they mean, have the Vosses. That's how they have the Vosses. They, not only did they steal the Vosses, <laughs> they also did war crimes. They also committed genocide in China. The entire United Nations is like, no, Aldovia. You still get to have a government <laughs> and like a king. But no armed forces. Or no armed forces. But the prince owns a gun. <laughs> prince, that's the only, that is the only weapon in the entire country is a gun. Possibly. And maybe the scepter if used correctly. Yeah, but... What what a step? Well, a scepter is a weapon. Yeah, sure. Um, so, final thoughts on the Christmas Prince? <laughs> I mean, man, <laughs> it's so boring. I mean, the engagement ring at the end is pretty ugly. That's an ugly ass engagement ring. Um, 
Oh, a thing that I noticed that I want to talk about is her dad. Just the most, one of the all-time most New York dudes. Who's the most New York wise hey, guy? Hey, daughter, what are you doing? <laughs> they told him, hey, you're from New York. And he's like, I got this. Can you imagine a diner owner, like, audience, I, I would like for you to close your eyes right now. Uh-huh. Imagine. I close my eyes. A New Yorker. Like an idiot, yeah. Who owns a diner. Yeah. Is a bit of a wise guy. Yeah, a wise guy. Can you imagine this person? Hey, my daughter is going to go to Aldovia or whatever the hell. Well, that's exactly what they look like. <laughs> you figure it out. Congratulations. He has a huge-ass diner that does not look like a diner. Um, it looks like a restaurant. It does not look like it's even in New York. Because New York restaurants... Probably, it was probably Canada. It's probably Canada. Um, yeah, it's it's so... They're so weird and clean and like... Oh, you're saying it's too clean. That's why it's not New York. It's too clean. That's why it's not New York. Well, it's a movie. It's not, it doesn't have enough of an edge. New York. Here in New York, <laughs> you need more edge. Amber does not have enough edge to be a New York person. That's another thing. You need more edge. She quit her job. Isn't that quite edgy? That is quite edgy. But only at the end. And it's stuff she learned in Aldovia, not in the lifetime of New York. If you lived in New York, you've probably had a pigeon shit in your mouth or like a homeless person poop in a bag in front of you in the subway you you develop character you've never heard tales of homeless people shitting in a clear plastic bag in the subway in new york no that's the stuff that happens man that's real that is real okay i uh, that's a story i saw somewhere you saw somewhere no one told you about this no it was like a new york post or something uh i mean not a particularly reputable but like it was started by Alexander Hamilton actually, um, but yeah, it was like a news story, like a homeless man shits in a clear plastic bag in the subway, and it's and it was like not a stretch, and you can see the people in the subway they're not phased, they're like this is Tuesday, man. So this was probably Canada, is what you're saying. <laughs> this was probably in Canada, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see. Now that you've brought it up. To be fair, I forgot that they were supposed to be in New York in the first place. They were supposed to be in New York, yeah. So, either way. But they have, like, shots of Rockefeller Plaza in the beginning, and it's like, well, no one... Oh, that's true. No one that's from New York is this much of a babe-in-the-woods naive character. Unless they're in a Hallmark movie about her falling in love with a Christmas prince. There you go. We've (laughs) gone full circle. (laughs) We've come full circle. Netflix film, by the way. Yeah. A trilogy. (laughs) <laughs> the first one of what turned out to be a successful trilogy. Uh-huh. Number two is The Royal Wedding, and number three is The Royal Baby. And the three of them, if you're wondering, have terrible posters, especially the third one. The third one is just a terrible, terrible poster. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> boy, oh boy. If, if you'd like us to watch those uh, films in a future episode, we will not. We will not. So, Pat... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, again, they're not terrible. They're just aggressively boring. Yeah, they're bland. They're, they're, uh, We're decidedly not the target audience for this. Laundry, it's your, laundry folding it's films your, or for your Christian aunt. clean your house films or whatever task, whatever task in or outside the house that you can watch a movie during. For Christian ants. This is, these are those. Yeah, these are those. To be fair, these are the stories. I'd rather <laughs> these are their stories. To be fair, I'd rather watch. I'm sorry, I just dropped the uh, just lid dropped. of my coffee cup. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, to be fair, I would watch other things while I'm cleaning around the house. You know what I mean? This uh, is for I, a very specific audience. I would listen to the new Andre 3000 album. I would listen the to the flute album. That's something to I would the, do instead the, of the watching. the ambient jet flute jazz album. Yeah, I would do that way more than I would. But again, it's for a very specific audience that is, I mean, for one reason or another, a very large demographic. It's one of the largest niches I mean, that exists in the world. I mean, if it's a very large demographic, it's inherently not niche anymore, yeah. which uh, I'd, I'd say so. But it's, there, there, there's a reason there's like isn't it hundred, hundreds if, of these every single year. Yeah, but again, isn't it, isn't it niche if most people in the world would have never come into contact with it unless they were part of this particular group, which is suburban Christian white American ladies? <laughs> probably, probably. I, uh, probably i guess i I just this is probably more mainstream that you're giving credit for that's that's all i'm 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 implying here and that is the lesson that you should learn this christmas um ladies and gentlemen and non-binary friends uh from uh, both of us here at the bomb shelter we want to do two things first of all wish you very happy holidays yes whatever holiday you are celebrating whatever this you're season currently celebrating or will celebrate in the coming days or months. We hope you enjoy them. We hope you have quality time, whether with family, friends, or by yourself. And the second thing we wanted to do is that we're not going to record an episode until 2023, and we, 2024, I apologize. And we wanted to thank you for a very, very nice first year of the Bomb Shelter podcast of what I hope will be several. Um, we started No in, promises. We started in February, and... Uh, we started this as just like a, we're going to have some fun project. And for the most part, it's remained that. But it's also uh, allowed us to just like talk as buddies. You know what I mean? Because the fir uh, first instance, we're like, we're going to make good content. And now we're like, we're going to make okay content. But we're going to have fun doing it because we're buddies. And you, listener, have given us the chance to do that. And if nobody listens to this episode of podcasting, at least it was a fun conversation about three movies that I had a terrible time watching. So your, so your, your assumption from the start is that we were making a good podcast? Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Oh, okay. When I proposed this idea, I was like, this sounds like a good idea for a podcast. And now it's evolved into, you know what? Let's just watch a terrible movie. Oh, I No, it's just I, my assumption is that the idea for most podcasts is inherently bad. Yeah, probably, right? The podcast isn't a particularly effective communication avenue in i mean in some ways it is there are like prestige like narrative driven or yeah. journalistic podcast and this one's neither yeah so or from both of us at the bomb shelter we'd like to wish you a happy new year ha merry happy holidays and happy new year and thank you for a great 2023 we'll Here's be back in 2024 with a choice of the following four films trash humpers Directed by Harmony Kareen. Yes. Manta Manta. Directed by Til Schweiger, I believe. Oh, Til Schweiger directed. That's cool. Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. And. Cocktail. Cocktail starring Tom Cruise. Yes. <laughs> Have a fun time <laughs> voting between those two, four movies. Um, Max, where can people find you? Well, I'm out and about right now. This is my vacation period. Yes. Like Please most don't people, bother us. Like like most people, uh, you know, taking some time off is it's it's quite nice. Uh, I'm also on Letterboxd. I'm on 
well, on Letterboxd, I'm at Massware. I'm on Wattpad. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Christian Flame because I am over good everything boy. a good Christian boy. Pat, do you want people to know where they can find you? Um, not particularly, but sure. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. or uh, Yeah, I'm still going to call it Twitter because I'm edgy. I'm cool. Not like Hallmark. Um, you can find me at Pat is an Idiot on Twitter and on Letterboxd. Uh, you can also find me as that on Threads, if anyone is still on there. I have a blog uh, where I write about movies approximately every 12 months, but it's still fun. What's the blog called? It's called uh, Pat Magagna Talks About Movies and TV and Other Stuff. Uh, cool. It's a terrible, terrible naming strategy. Yeah, Movies and TV and Other Stuff. You can find it on Blogspot. Uh, I just published my top 10 list of the year that is going to get updated the moment that i see stuff that is on my watch list that i think is going to make it on there yeah that's why my top 10 list doesn't come out until april of next year yeah probably um <laughs> it's in mine is an ever morphing living thing uh yeah you can check out on that you can check me out on other stuff uh if i think i'm i just uh well a, a short that i just worked in it was just published for a festival we're hoping it's going to end up at Cannes. i held the boom on that short uh yeah, that's, I guess that's where you can find me. You, you can find Pat holding the boom this Christmas time. The boom is actually in one of the shots, I think. I, re, I rewatched the, uh, the short, and there's a scene. It's, it's minuscule where you can see the, the shotgun mic I'm holding. For how many frames? Maybe two. Two to three. Fair. Very short. Um, from everyone here at the bomb shelter... Uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Here's to a great 2024. And thank you for everything. <laughs>